0: The Bible, a collection of 66 different books by around 40 different authors from many different backgrounds. There were kings and shepherds, soldiers, fishermen, doctors, poets and farmers. Some were young, some old, some rich, and some poor. And they wrote, each reflecting his own personality and style, from a wide variety of life circumstances, all the way from palace thrones and bedrooms, to the dungeons down in the palace basement. From seashores to mountain tops. And to the backsides of dry desert wasteland. In their books, the writers issued hundreds of specific future prophecies, all perfectly fulfilled or awaiting fulfillment. And they discuss every aspect of human life, hundreds of complicated and controversial topics. And yet, there is a unity and consistency of message in the Bible, from start to finish, that is nothing short of miraculous. Throughout history and today, millions of people around the globe call this book the Holy Bible, the very Word of God. It claims to be a self-revelation of the Supreme Being, the Creator Himself, stepping out of eternity into time and space to tell us and show us what He is like and to let us know His plan for our lives, here on Earth and in the hereafter. The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar is your chance to actually hear, discuss, and decide for yourself about this book, The Bible. Stay tuned, and at the very least, you'll hear the beauty, wisdom, romance, adventure, and intrigue of the world's greatest literature, the best selling, most translated book of all history. But more importantly, God Himself just might speak to your heart and change your life forever. Now, here's the host of The Bible Live, Sophie Dollar. Thank you very much, Kevin Bell, for getting us on the air this evening. And to our good friend and engineer, Roy Butler, glad to see you through the glass, Roy. And all of you, thanks for being there where you are tonight, making the Bible live such a pleasurable, enjoyable journey each and every night, each and every year as we make our way through the entire Bible. So many of you catch me out in the community as we are involved in our ministry from day to day uh, with Campus Crusade for Christ, whether it's with students or youth groups or or pastors or church groups or training whatever the different activities that we are doing when we get a chance to see you and meet you or maybe it's just at the local grocery store <laughs> that happens from time to time as well so many of you telling us how much it means to you to be able to hear the scriptures on the airwaves here in San Antonio and across South Texas what a privilege it is what a joy it is for us to be a city where the entire Bible is heard each and every weeknight, letting you hear the Bible itself. I love preachers, and I love evangelists and gifted teachers. I really do. I admire them, and I don't minimize the work of men and women who are called to ministry and called to teach and preach and and open the Scriptures, but it can never substitute for getting into the Bible yourself. Any preacher, teacher, or evangelist worth their salt will tell you the same thing, Your knowledge of the Bible should not be limited to just bits and pieces, a sermon here, a tract that you read here, or a book you read there, and just smatterings of Bible. It does help you in your spiritual life, your understanding of God, and most of all, formation of what is called that biblical worldview. We need to learn to think biblically. And the only way that happens is if you spend every day, time in the Scriptures, every year, through the entire Bible, every word, every chapter, every book of the Bible. And that's what we do. Tonight we finish up the book of Leviticus, by the way, Genesis, Exodus, and now Leviticus. We'll be completing that book tonight. But first, let's go to our Wisdom and Worship segment. The beautiful Psalm 27 has been put to music. God offers help for today and hope for the future. That's our message tonight on The Bible Life. Psalm 27 The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord protects me from danger, so why should I tremble? When evil people come to destroy me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will know no fear. Even if they attack me, I remain confident. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in His temple. For He will conceal me there when troubles come. He will hide me in His sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. At His tabernacle I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. Listen to my pleading, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, Come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. Do not hide yourself from me. Do not reject your servant in anger. You have always been my helper. Don't leave me now. Don't abandon me, O God of my salvation. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. Teach me how to live, O Lord. Lead me along the path of honesty, for my enemies are waiting for me to fall. Do not let me fall into their hands. For they accuse me of things I've never done, and breathe out violence against me. Yet I am confident that I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. End of reading Psalm 27. You're listening to the Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. And though we've nothing more to at your feet, we come to your feet and say, Help us, Such a wonderful truth from the scriptures over and over and over again. It seems like in every book, it seems like almost in every chapter, there is some admonition about humbling ourselves and that God lifts up the brokenhearted, the contrite, the repentant, the broken, not the proud and the arrogant, the self-sufficient. Perhaps one of the major principles repeated constantly throughout the scriptures. Well, welcome back, everyone. This is The Bible Live, and tonight we're going to be completing the book of Leviticus. We're going to pick up in chapter 25. This book has talked to us principally about God's holiness, the festivals, religious rituals, sacrifices, the tabernacle itself, the portable worship center, the way it's built. There's so much there that tells them about their God. And holiness, holiness, holiness keeps being repeated. He is separate and apart from every other being. There is no other being like the Lord. Some people think of Satan as God's opposite number. The yin and the yang, the good and evil that exists, that couldn't be further from the truth. Satan is a created being under judgment, entirely and totally under the control of God the Creator. And God uses him even in his rebellion. He uses failed human beings and rebellious human beings as well. The same principle goes there. God is one and alone. He is God all by himself, as some folks say. That's what the word holy means, set apart. God is the infinity plus one. Whatever else there is, God is infinitely beyond and separate. He is holy. That not only goes for his essence, but also for his character. He is entirely and totally set apart in his moral perfection. That is the message, but it's come out in practicalities. God is expressing it in the ways that we can understand in our world. What would that mean? And he talks about the way we treat our fellow man, about the way we do business if we're honest, if we're generous. Now, the Bible places great emphasis on assisting the poor and the helpless, especially orphans and widows and the handicapped. In the Israelite society, no paid work was available to women. Thus, a widow and her children had no livelihood. There was no work available for the seriously handicapped in this nation of farmers and shepherds. The poor were helped without charging any interest. Individuals and family responsibility for the poor was crucial since there was no government aid. None of this should be interpreted government-wise. You and I are to help our neighbors and our friends and our family members. That's a lesson we so need to learn in these troubled times today. Let's go now to our Bible Live reading tonight from the book of Leviticus. Leviticus 25.35-27.34 Leviticus 25 If any of your Israelite relatives fall into poverty and cannot support themselves, support them as you would a resident foreigner and allow them to live with you. Do not demand an advance or charge interest on the money you lend them. Instead, show your fear of God by letting them live with you as your relatives. Remember, do not charge your relatives interest on anything you lend them, whether money or food. I, the Lord, am your God, who brought you out of Egypt to give you the land of Canaan and to be your God. If any of your Israelite relatives go bankrupt and sell themselves to you, do not treat them as slaves. Treat them instead as hired servants or as resident foreigners who live with you, and they will serve you only until the year of Jubilee. At that time, they and their children will no longer be obligated to you, and they will return to their clan and ancestral property. The people of Israel are my servants, whom I brought out of the land of Egypt, so they must never be sold as slaves. Show your fear of God by treating them well. Never exercise your power over them in a ruthless way. However, you may purchase male or female slaves from among the foreigners who live among you. You may also purchase the children of such resident foreigners, including those who have been born in your land. You may treat them as your property, passing them on to your children as a permanent inheritance. You may treat your slaves like this, but the people of Israel, your relatives must never be treated this way. If a resident foreigner becomes rich, and if some of your Israelite relatives go bankrupt and sell themselves to such a foreigner, they still retain the right of redemption. They may be bought back by a close relative, an uncle, a nephew, or anyone else who is closely related. They may also redeem themselves if they can get the money. The price of their freedom will be based on the number of years left until the next year of Jubilee, whatever it would cost to hire a servant for that number of years. If many years still remain, they will repay most of what they received when they sold themselves. If only a few years remain until the year of Jubilee, then they will repay a relatively small amount for their redemption. The foreigners must treat them as servants hired on a yearly basis. You must not allow a resident foreigner to treat any of your Israelite relatives ruthlessly. If any Israelites have not been redeemed by the time the year of Jubilee arrives, then they and their children must be set free at that time. For the people of Israel are my servants whom I brought out of the land of Egypt. I, the Lord, am your God. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Leviticus 26. Do not make idols or set up carved images, sacred pillars, or shaped stones to be worshipped in your land. I, the Lord, am your God. You must keep my Sabbath days of rest and show reverence for my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If you keep my laws and are careful to obey my commands, I will send the seasonal rains. The land will then yield its crops, and the trees will produce their fruit. Your threshing season will extend until the grape harvest, and your grape harvest will extend until it is time to plant grain again. You will eat your fill and live securely in your land. I will give you peace in the land, and you will be able to sleep without fear. I will remove the wild animals from your land and protect you from your enemies. In fact, you will chase down all your enemies and slaughter them with your swords. Five of you will chase a hundred, and a hundred of you will chase ten thousand. All your enemies will fall beneath the blows of your weapons. I will look favorably upon you and multiply your people and fulfill my covenant with you. You will have such a surplus of crops that you will need to get rid of the leftovers from the previous year to make room for each new harvest. I will live among you and I will not despise you. I will walk among you. I will be your God and you will be my people. I, the Lord, am your God who brought you from the land of Egypt so you would no longer be slaves. I have lifted the yoke of slavery from your neck, so you can walk free with your heads held high. However, if you do not listen to me or obey my commands, and if you break my covenant by rejecting my laws and treating my regulations with contempt, I will punish you. You will suffer from sudden terrors, with wasting diseases and with burning fevers, causing your eyes to fail and your life to ebb away. You will plant your crops in vain because your enemies will eat them. I will turn against you, and you will be defeated by all your enemies. They will rule over you, and you will run even when no one is chasing you. And if, in spite of this, you still disobey me, I will punish you for your sins seven times over. I will break down your arrogant spirit by making the skies above as unyielding as iron, and the earth beneath as hard as bronze. All your work will be for nothing, for your land will yield no crops, and your trees will bear no fruit. If even then you remain hostile toward me and refuse to obey, I will inflict you with seven more disasters for your sins. I will release wild animals that will kill your children and destroy your cattle, so your numbers will dwindle and your roads will be deserted. And if you fail to learn a lesson from this and continue your hostility toward me, then I myself will be hostile toward you, and I will personally strike you seven times over for your sins. I will send armies against you to carry out these covenant threats, If you flee to your cities, I will send a plague to destroy you there, and you will be conquered by your enemies. I will completely destroy your food supply, so the bread from one oven will have to be stretched to feed ten families. They will ration your food by weight, and even if you have food to eat, you will not be satisfied. If after this you still refuse to listen and still remain hostile toward me, then I will give full vent to my hostility. I will punish you seven times over for your sins. You will eat the flesh of your own sons and daughters. I will destroy your pagan shrines and cut down your incense altars. I will leave your corpses piled up beside your lifeless idols, and I will despise you. I will make your cities desolate and destroy your places of worship, and I will take no pleasure in your offerings of incense. Yes, I myself will devastate your land. Your enemies who come to occupy it will be utterly shocked at the destruction they see. I will scatter you among the nations and attack you with my own weapons. Your land will become desolate and your cities will lie in ruins. Then at last the land will make up for its missed Sabbath years as it lies desolate during your years of exile in the land of your enemies. Then the land will finally rest and enjoy its Sabbaths. As the land lies in ruins, it will take the rest you never allowed it to take every seventh year while you lived in it. And for those of you who survive... I will demoralize you in the land of your enemies, far away. You will live there in such constant fear that the sound of a leaf driven by the wind will send you fleeing. You will run as though chased by a warrior with a sword, and you will fall even when no one is pursuing you. Yes, though no one is chasing you, you will stumble over each other in flight, as though fleeing in battle. You will have no power to stand before your enemies. You will die among the foreign nations and be devoured in the land of your enemies. Those still left alive will rot away in enemy lands because of their sins and the sins of their ancestors. But at last my people will confess their sins and the sins of their ancestors for betraying me and being hostile toward me. Finally, when I have given full expression to my hostility and have brought them to the land of their enemies, then at last their disobedient hearts will be humbled and they will pay for their sins. Then I will remember my covenant with Jacob, with Isaac, and with Abraham, and I will remember the land, and the land will enjoy its years of Sabbath rest as it lies deserted. At last the people will receive the due punishment for their sins, for they rejected my regulations and despised my laws. But despite all this, I will not utterly reject or despise them while they are in exile in the land of their enemies. I will not cancel my covenant with them by wiping them out. I, the Lord, am their God. I will remember my ancient covenant with their ancestors, whom I brought out of Egypt while all the nations watched. I, the Lord, am their God. These are the laws, regulations, and instructions that the Lord gave to the Israelites through Moses on Mount Sinai. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Leviticus 27 The Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the Israelites. If you make a special vow to dedicate someone to the Lord by paying the value of that person, here is the scale of values to be used. A man between the ages of twenty and sixty is valued at fifty pieces of silver. A woman of that age is valued at thirty pieces of silver. A boy between five and twenty is valued at twenty pieces of silver. A girl of that age is valued at ten pieces of silver. A boy between the ages of one month and five years is valued at five pieces of silver. A girl of that age is valued at three pieces of silver. A man older than sixty is valued at fifteen pieces of silver, a woman older than sixty, is valued at ten pieces of silver. If you desire to make such a vow but cannot afford to pay the prescribed amount, go to the priest and he will evaluate your ability to pay. You will then pay the amount decided by the priest. If your vow involves giving a clean animal, one that is acceptable as an offering to the Lord, then your gift to the Lord will be considered holy. The animal should never be exchanged or substituted for another, neither a good animal for a bad one, nor a bad animal for a good one. But if such an exchange is in fact made, then both the original animal and the substitute will be considered holy. But if your vow involves an unclean animal, one that is not acceptable as an offering to the Lord, then you must bring the animal to the priest. He will assess its value, and his assessment will be final. If you want to redeem the animal, you must pay the value set by the priest, plus 20%. If you dedicate a house to the Lord, the priest must come to assess its value. The priest's assessment will be final. If you wish to redeem the house, you must pay the value set by the priest, plus 20%. Then the house will again belong to you. If you dedicate to the Lord a piece of your ancestral property, its value will be assessed by the amount of seed required to plant it, 50 pieces of silver for an area that produces 5 bushels of barley seed, If the field is dedicated to the Lord in the year of Jubilee, then the entire assessment will apply. But if the field is dedicated after the year of Jubilee, the priest must assess the land's value in proportion to the years left until the next year of Jubilee. If you decide to redeem the dedicated field, you must pay the land's value as assessed by the priest, plus 20%. Then the field will again belong to you. But if you decide not to redeem the field, or if the field is sold to someone else by the priests, it can never be redeemed. When the field is released in the year of Jubilee, it will be holy, a field specially set apart for the Lord. It will become the property of the priests. If you dedicate to the Lord a field that you have purchased but which is not part of your ancestral property, the priest must assess its value based on the years until the next year of Jubilee. You must then give the assessed value of the land as a sacred donation to the Lord. In the year of Jubilee, the field will be released to the original owner from whom you purchased it. All the value assessments must be measured in terms of the standard sanctuary shekel. You may not dedicate to the Lord the firstborn of your cattle or sheep because the firstborn of these animals already belong to him. However, if it is the firstborn of a ceremonially unclean animal, you may redeem it by paying the priest's assessment of its worth, plus 20%. If you do not redeem it, the priest may sell it to someone else for its assessed value. However, anything specially set apart by the Lord, whether a person, an animal, or an inherited field, must never be sold or redeemed. Anything devoted in this way has been set apart for the Lord as holy. A person specially set apart by the Lord for destruction cannot be redeemed. Such a person must be put to death. A tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain or fruit, belongs to the Lord, and must be set apart to Him as holy. If you want to redeem the Lord's tenth of the fruit or grain, you must pay its value 20%. The Lord also owns every tenth animal counted off from your herds and flocks. They are set apart to Him as holy. The tenth animal must not be selected on the basis of whether it is good or bad, and no substitutions will be allowed. If any exchange is in fact made, then both the original animal and the substituted one will be considered holy and cannot be redeemed. These are the commands that the Lord gave to the Israelites through Moses on Mount Sinai. End of reading Leviticus 25:35 through 27:34. The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. You've just heard the final chapters, 26 through 27, of the book of Leviticus, summarizing in a great way all of the different commands and instructions and guidelines that God has been giving to his people about sacrifices religious rituals, worship instructions, instructions for the tabernacle and the priesthood, and social guidelines that would shape the way they treated one another. Now, these are not intended to be complete. As you know, in Exodus chapter 20, God presented the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue, as it's called, these ten laws that form the foundation principles for the people of Israel. And now, through Moses, they are given now in social relationships, family or marital relationships or in business and finance and the relationship of employer and employee. That's the way I think it is appropriate to interpret the admonitions about slavery. Some people are a little bit scandalized by the idea that the Bible here treats slavery as a reality. Well, it was a reality. It has been a reality in every era of human experience. In every era of human existence, there has been slavery. Wherever the Bible has gone, wherever the truth of the true and living God has gone, there has been an eradication of slavery, of child labor, injustice, injustice to women, appreciation for the role of women in their place in society. That was not the case. Now, remember where they are when they lived, 1,500 years before Jesus was born. We're talking about this nation of slaves, in fact. They knew slavery well. They had lived in slavery for over 400 years. The concepts that are being presented to them are, in reality, extreme. They're radical in terms of the freedom and the dignity that it gave to individuals, whether slave or not, whether they were Jewish slaves or foreign slaves that are living among them. There is a great difference under Hebrew law. We're told in the last chapters about how important it is to keep our commitments to God. The people of Israel here were called upon if they made a vow to keep that commitment. If they made a vow to God, there was a 20% penalty fee for going back on it because it was to be taken seriously when you made a promise to God. A number of things touched me tonight. One is in the psalm itself, Psalm 27. His great joy was to dwell in the temple of God. And I don't think he means necessarily take up residence there in the building. I think what David is talking about here is dwelling in God's presence. Maybe you've found it when your church has been going through a particular series of special events, revival services or something like that, or maybe you've gone to summer camp and you've had a very special time with God and sensed his presence in a way that was unusual and you've really been impacted by that moment. David is saying, I want to dwell every day of my life in that presence. You can do that now because if you are a believer, a follower of Jesus, the Messiah, your body is the temple of God. He dwells there within you. You can practice the presence of God. You can practice His presence from the time you wake up in the morning till you go to sleep. Even during your sleep, know that God has you in His hands. That's what it means to walk in the Spirit, to live in the power of the Spirit. Moment by moment, day by day, consciously recognizing and acknowledging His Lordship, His guidance, His presence in our lives. At work, at play, at school, driving across the city, wherever we might be realizing that God is there, that we are in his presence. What a joy we have as believers to live out our lives in the context of who he is and what he is doing in our lives. And there's another wonderful passage in Psalm 27, Though my mother and father abandoned me. There are many people in our society today who are separated from mom and dad. I am. I never knew my mother and father. I was abandoned at birth, passed around to 16 families, put into an orphanage. And I think there is a special grace God gives to those who have suffered family hurt and abandonment. Though my mother and father abandon me, the Lord will take me up. Seek the Lord. Turn to him. Let him be that father, that mother, the one that you look to for guidance and provision and protection. He will never disappoint you. Well, there you have it. The book of Leviticus with its theme of holiness filled with commands and instructions and guidelines that God gave to His people Israel at the foot of Mount Sinai. And from these commands, we can learn so very much about God's nature, about His character. At first glance, Leviticus seems irrelevant to our high-tech world of today. But digging a little deeper, we realize that the book still speaks to us today. God has not changed, and His principles are for all times. And even as people and society change, there's another sense in which we don't. Our needs remain consistent. We need constantly to search for ways to apply the principles of God's law to our present circumstances. God was the same in Leviticus as he is today and will be forever. See you next time, folks, on The Bible Live. Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Sophie reads from the New Living Translation by Kendall Haas Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America and your prayers and financial support are needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live PO Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com.